0: Morning, church. Good morning. I did not see a hand, if there was any visitor. So we'll just go ahead and jump to our word. So it should be no surprise that we're still in the book of Romans, as you can see. Uh, anyway, let's do a very uh, short recap. So the key praise in the book of Romans is the righteousness of God. It's found in 117 where it says uh, Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of God, for it is... <coughs> the power unto salvation for those who who believe. And then it says in verse 17, it says, For in it is revealed the righteousness of God from faith to faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Amen? Amen. So we have gone through 13 chapters from last week. Uh, Jared uh, last week talked to us about Christian duties, and one of those duties that we have is the duty to love one another. We have an obligation to love one another. So uh, 13 chapters, the first chapter, we talked about how man in his sinfulness needs the righteousness of God. In that, within those chapters, God was the one that provided that through imputation, through the righteousness of Jesus. We received that righteousness. And then through those chapters, we also learned that it is in that righteousness of God that we are sanctified. Amen, so in verse uh, or not verse, but rather chapter twelve, Paul takes a a, a shift in his um, in his uh, tone of language, and that 's why now it is the gospel Express Chapter twelve tells us that I beseech you then, brethren, to present yourself as living sacrifice. this is your spiritual act of worship, and then it goes on to say that do not uh, um, Uh, Do not follow any longer the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you would know and approve what his good, perfect, and pleasing will is for you. Amen? So that's why now, beginning at chapter 12, or rather when we began in chapter 12, it's all been about instruction. So last week it was an instruction of what we should be doing. So today we continue on that. Paul gives more instructions to the church. So let's just go ahead. And this is the title for, uh, for today. It's Use Your Liberty to Build Each Other Up. So go ahead and show the first verse or first uh, slide. So coming from Romans chapter 14, verse 1 and 2, this is what it reads. So Paul makes an appeal. It says, Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Now, if you're a vegetarian, please don't, uh, don't walk out yet, okay? Hear me on what Paul is saying. So first, let's look at that phrase, weak in the faith. So what makes one weak in his belief? What makes one weak in, in the way that he believes God? Well, Paul didn't really tell a reason. Actually, he kind of did. But there could be a couple of reasons. One could be that you're a new believer. Just like what I mentioned earlier, we grow from faith to faith, If you are a new believer in Christ, you can, your, your faith can be weak. Another reason is your background before you were converted or before you received Christ. You can still be operating or still embracing legalism. Another one could be is just that you lack good teaching. You've never heard good teachings and you haven't uh, gone through your Bible also. And another reason could be it's just that you just need a little push, a, a little encouragement, a little exhortation. Okay, so that's, that could be the reasons why one is weak in the faith. So Paul tells us that, receive them. Receive those that are weak in the faith. But for what reason? Don't do it so that you can have a discussion with them or debate them over what they think they believe. So that's not the reason. But, just through, but the reason that Paul says is that, just receive them. And then he goes on to say that, for one who believes he may eat all things, but... Uh, for one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak, eats only vegetable. Let's give a background story before you walk out of your vegetarian. So what's going on? So when the days of the early church, it was the Greek Empire that ruled the known world. The Greek Empire was known for their pagan worship. All right. So most of the converts that came from the Church of Rome or that are in the Church of Rome, they were former pagan practitioners or pagan worshippers, they were idolaters. Okay, So it is a practice of the pagan temples to sacrifice animals. But after they sacrifice that animal, there were also wise that they will sell it to the meat market or they will sell it to the uh, eating establishment. So you have food in your meat market and eat in restaurants that had been sacrificed to idols. So the person who believes that he may eat everything he has no problem even though that was his background but the one who is weak in the faith says i'm not sure i feel like if i eat the food that was sacrificed to the idols then i am defiled so this is where Paul was coming from amen that's 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 uh that's the the issue that was going on people who were afraid to eat meat was because they don't want to be, be defiled in their conscience all right so these are doubtful things paul says now Go ahead, uh, do the next slide. What about us as a church? Where do we stand when it comes to these, these doubtful things? So this is coming from our website. If you've never seen our website, and you don't, uh, uh, if you may not be your first time here, or you've probably been here before, but you have uh, not gone through it, this is what we are, or this is our statement of faith. Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship adheres to the infallibility of the Holy Scriptures And affirms all traditional doctrines of the Christian faith. We embrace the historic confessions of the apostles, Nicene, and Chalcedonian creeds. Although doctrinal purity is essential for the local church, here it is. We allow a diversity of thoughts over non-essential matters. So that's what Paul was addressing. The doubtful things that he said are these: the non-essential matters. So what are our essentials in life in the sun? We hold firmly to these essentials. The Bible, Trinity, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, mankind, salvation, baptism, the church, second coming and eternity. We do not have time to discuss all of this, but I would encourage you to look it up in our website okay, to get more. So if a believer, uh, not a believer, so if a person comes to us and says, you know what, Armin, I don't really believe that the Bible is infallible. I think it's just a bunch of stories it's probably just some suggestions and good po- a good poetic book. And if that's, that's what you believe, then uh, Pastor Mark will probably come to you, gently try to persuade you to renew your mind, and if for some reason you don't want to be renewed in your mind, then we just simply have to say, well, brother, well, sister, there's the door. Okay, When it comes to the essential truths and the essential doctrines, there cannot be no disputes. Amen the door is open but when it comes to the non-essentials this is where Paul is is going you have or we allow a diversity of thoughts over non-essentials so in the essentials there has to be unity in the non-essentials you have liberty you have freedom to have your thoughts but in all things charity and that's what Jared talked about last week we have an obligation to love one another Amen? So there shouldn't be an issue, right? Go ahead, next verse, please. So if you have freedom. So the early church, what happened to us? So in the early church, it was about eating meat and not eating meat. But today, they may, that may not be relevant anymore. Isn't it not? But, what, but what's relevant today, because times and seasons have changed, could be like what we celebrated yesterday, or whoever celebrated yesterday, Halloween. Do you approve of participating in a Halloween party? Do you approve because it's a, it, it, became, it, it started from a pagan practice? What if another brother approves of it? How about the Christmas decoration? Uh, I, I've heard a lot that Christmas tree also became from a pagan practice. How about tattoos? Okay, here's one good example. How about alcohol? Do you approve of drinking alcohol? Now, let me give you an example. This is, uh, if you come if you just like the converts of the Roman church, they came from a pagan practice. So if you have a past of alcohol alcohol abuse and you become a believer and you say in your heart, you know what? I should not even drink alcohol anymore. And if that's your st- if that's what you believe then that's great there's a wisdom to that until you have, you until your faith from faith to faith has grown okay but on the other hand like me for example I've never uh, in our family within we didn't, we didn't have uh, alcohol abuse in fact I've never seen my father drink until one time and when he finally drank, it was a good memory for me let me let me show you let me tell you why my father's brother visited us, which he had not seen for a long time. This was back in, I think, high school. So his brother visited us in our hometown. And for the first time, I saw my father uh, bring out alcohol. So I got three brothers, my father, my, my uncle, and I think some other cousins. We were there, and we were drinking, and it was such a good memory for me. It was really male bonding, you know? We are bonding, as a, as, and that's my memory of my father drinking alcohol for the first time, drinking beer. And for me, it was a good memory. So that's why when I became a believer, alcohol to me is all right. It's a good memory. So now you have one brother, recent convert, who comes from an alcohol abuse and disapproves alcohol. Right? But here I am, I said, oh, I'm okay with alcohol. So there should be no problem. You have liberty, Correct. In the non-essentials, liberty. You have a diversity of thought to believe what you want. If you approve or disapprove of alcohol, then don't drink alcohol. On the other hand, I'm okay. So when does it become an issue? When does your liberty become an issue towards one another? It becomes an issue when the brother that says, I disapprove of alcohol and tells the other brother, said he should never touch alcohol, never again. Of course, I said, but why? It brings me such great memory. That's why now, when I visit my family, and probably he's watching my brothers might be watching right now. That's why whenever I visit now in the Philippines, I bring myself some good, some some good alcohol. And of course, I don't do it to get drunk. Remember, Paul says, um, everything is beneficial, but not everything. Or rather, everything is permissible, but not everything is helpful or beneficial but I will not be mastered by anything. All right? Remember that. Plus, we're already on chapter 14. (laughs) Okay? We have already talked about uh, sin and the law and righteousness. All right? So when does it become an issue? When one disapproves and one approves. Well, it becomes an issue when we get to this verse. So let not him who eats or approves despise him who does not approve. And let not him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God has received him. When we begin to judge, when we're the one who says, no, we should not, and we begin to judge the person that says it's okay, that's when it becomes an issue. Because when you begin to judge, what did uh, Jesus say about judgment? Do not judge. Do not condemn. With the same measure that you give, it will be given back to you. Good uh, press down, good measure, shaken together. With the measure that you use, it would be measured back to you. When you judge people, you're really putting them in a standard that you want, and you expect them to follow your standard. That's what judgment does. So that's why Jesus said, do not judge. So that's when it becomes an issue, when the one that says no and disapproves puts steps over the boundary of liberty and says, you should not. Amen? And what happens? Then the brother that says he approves it, he begins to despise the brother that says no. That's the issue that Paul was talking about. So in the non-essentials, you have liberty. So this is where we're we're getting at. Exciting, right? Who says there's no problem in the church? (laughs) As long as man is man and we're living in the flesh, we would always come across issues. But the true test of, that we are of Christ is how we are able to get out of those places. Amen? How do we deal with them? And that's why Paul, he took eight chapters to really tell us what we already have in Christ, so that when he started in chapter 12, he was really giving instruction and pulling out from within us what, he is, what we already have in Christ. Amen? So it says, do not judge. So let's go ahead. Next verse. So we're gonna look at the instruction that Paul gave to the church. So instructions regarding the non essential matters or doubtful things. It says, Do not judge one another, all right, over doubtful things. So he so reading from 4 to 7, it says, Who are you to judge another servant? To his own master he stands or fall, indeed he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. God is able to make the one that approved things to stand. It says, do not judge them. Because why? We are not their master. We all have one master. Amen? One person esteems one day above another, another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. So these are matters of conscience and that's why Paul said don't judge don't bring judgment to it. Now just like what I said at this point in Paul's letter we have already talked about sin law and righteousness. So let me just remind you what he said. So these are these actions or these things that we are, that the church was approving does not pertain to sin. It pertains to the liberty. Amen. So going back to chapter 6 where Paul says that Shall we continue to sin? Or back back a little bit. Moreover, the law was added so that the offense may abound. But where sin abound, grace abounded much more. So so shall we continue in sin then so that grace might abound? Certainly not. How can we who died to sin live any longer in it? For sin shall not have dominion over you, for because you are not under the law, but you are under grace. So that's one of the things that Paul tells us. Then he continues to say, then shall we sin because we're not under law, but we are under grace? Of course, he said once again, do you not know that who you obey or who you submit under, you become a slave of? So if you submit under sin, then you become a slave to sin. But thanks be to God, he says that we have been freed from sin to live in the newness of life in the spirit and to live in the righteous manner. We are now under the slavery of righteousness. Alright, then it goes on to chapter 7, chapter 8. So one by one, Paul dealt with it. It says, he even goes to uh, chapter 7 and uses an illustration of marriage where he says, Do you not know that a man is bound to the law only while he is alive? And he uses the example of marriage. A wife is bound to the law of the husband as long as the husband is alive. So if she commits adultery or she uh, marries another, she commits an adultery. But if the husband dies, she is now free to marry another. But of course the law did not die. But who died? We died in Christ. In the body of Christ we died. Therefore, we are freed from the law. And why are we free from the law? To sin now, so that we can be married to another. And who's that another? To Christ. Hence, we are the bride of Christ we are the bride of Christ because we are we are ready to, because of that uh, uh, chapter so we're not talking about oh my conscience is clear that i can act this way we're not talking about a, a clear conscience to sin amen we're past that if you're still thinking that way then i have to use the same word that paul used do you not know what chapter 6 7 and 8 said all right are we clear okay we're clear 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 as clear can be. So uh, verse 6 it says, He who observes the day observes it to the Lord, and he who does not observe the or serve the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats eats to the Lord, for he give God for he gives God thanks and he does not and he who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat and gives God's, gives God thanks. For none of us lives to himself and no one dies to himself. So if your conscience tells you, says a uh, certain action restricts your conscience, or your conscience restricts you from doing certain action, then do it according to the Lord or unto the Lord. Amen? Okay. For none of us lives to himself and no one dies to himself. So go ahead, next uh, slide, please. So for if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and rose and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Another reason Paul says why we shouldn't judge or we shouldn't uh, despise one another, because we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. You will be responsible. Uh, I think it's on the next uh, slide, please. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. The judgment seat there that Paul is talking about is not the judgment seat where your sin was judged. It is the Bema seat of Christ. This is where your work will be judged. So whatever you did well as a believer... Whatever it is that you believe, whether you allow whether you approve of and what your conscience is, that's the thing that God that Paul is saying that will be judged. Whether it's gold, silver, precious stone. Amen. Then verse 13 it says, Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore. But rather resolve this. Not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. So that was the first instruction that Paul said. Do not judge one another over doubtful things the second one is coming from verse 13 where he says go ahead next slide don't cause another to stumble over doubtful things man go ahead so coming from uh, verse 14 it says i know and am convinced by the lord jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself but to him who considers anything to be unclean To him, it is unclean. Yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. We have a Christian duty to what? To love one another. That's why Jared laid that foundation last week. Do not destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. Earlier, Paul says that do not judge the brother that allows himself to eat because Christ has received him. Now he appeals to the other side where it says that Um, do not destroy with your food the one whom Christ died. So he's addressing both sides. Amen? Therefore, do not let your good be spoken of as evil, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by man. We have a liberty in the non-essentials. But the second instruction that Paul says is that if your liberty causes your brother to stumble, to be offended, to be weakened, then by all means, you who are so called the one who's stronger in the faith, restrict your, your liberty so that you will not destroy your brother. Amen. And if you are the one that's, that are, that is offended, what is the protocol? According to Jesus, according to Matthew, if you're offended by a brother, you go to that brother or a sister or that person, and you work out the matter. That's the protocol for you if you're offended. If you're the one who is strong in the faith, the protocol is uh, restrict your faith in, the, in, in, in charity, in love. Amen? Next verse, please. Therefore, uh, where's the point number three? There you go. Third instruction that Paul gave to to, to the church regarding doubtful things is, use your liberty to build each other up. Okay, next slide. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. So he says, resolve this, don't judge, resolve. Then he moves on to say, now let us pursue the things which makes for peace and the things by which one may edify another. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are pure, but, but it is evil for the man who eats with offense. It is good neither to eat meat, nor drink wine, nor do anything by which your brother stumbles, or is, or is offended, or is made weak. That's why Paul also writes in the book of Corinthians, uh, I mentioned earlier, Everything is permissible, but not everything is helpful, helpful or beneficial. But I will not be mastered by anything. So therefore, whether you eat, or you drink, or you do anything, you do it for the glory of God. If you're eating, you're drinking, your action causes your brother to fall or stumble, you are no longer doing it for the glory of God. Amen? All right. Where am I? Verse 22. Do you have faith? Really, the question is, do you have strong faith? Keep it to yourself, or have it to yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. If you have strong faith and you're conscious about your brother having a weak faith, then don't do, don't, uh, do something that you approve in front of your brother. This is a practical, I believe this is a practical suggestion. You find other brothers and sisters in the Lord who have such strong faith as you are and that's, and be happy together. That's what it says. Happy is the man <laughs> who does not condemn himself in what he approves right that's such a practical application but he who doubts is condemned if he eats because he does not eat from faith and then lastly this is a a principle of faith for whatever is not from faith is sin so if you decide in your own liberty though you have in christ that this is what i do not approve of then do it out of faith and do it unto the lord amen you're at liberty if you decide this is what I approve of I approve of. did I say not approve right okay if you decide that this is what you approve of then you and your conscience is clear before God but if it's not clear or but if it's not clear to your brother then limit your liberty or go and have your faith to yourself that's what it's saying but if you approve of it you approve it unto the lord and you do it by faith, then that's good. Amen? So I recap. So three instructions that Paul tells us when it comes to the non-essential. Once again, when it comes to the essential doctrines of the church, of faith, there is no dispute. Amen? It has to be in unity. But in the non-essential, this is what Paul says. Don't judge each other in doubtful things. Don't cause another to stumble over doubtful things. You share liberty to build each other up. Amen? And then last verse, and we'll end with this one. Paul begins in uh, verse 1, it says, Receive one who is weak in the faith. Then he ends that chapter by saying that if uh, anything that is not of faith is sin. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 tells us that without faith it is impossible to please God or to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is and that he, that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Faith is the one that pleases God. Amen? Not what we approve of against our own brothers and sisters. All right? So as we end, I guess the best question to ask is, it's not whether am I weak in the is my faith weak, is my faith strong? But really the question to ask is, Lord, where am I in my relationship with you? I was meditating on the scripture in, in Genesis regarding uh, uh, when Adam failed and when God called him, he was hiding. So as I was meditating on that, I he- heard in the spirit the same question God posed to me. It says, Armin, where are you? And I want to ask you the same thing, just to, really, as, uh, just to really know where you are. If God were to ask you, or the spirit of God were to ask you, where are you right now? How would you answer God? What would be your consciousness are you would you be conscious that oh lord i've i've uh i've messed up i'm uh, i haven't i have been i have not been reading my bible i haven't been, been praying i haven't been, been doing this would that be what you're conscious of or on the other hand would you be conscious of lord i always know that you're there for me i always know that you're there for me you're always there interceding for me so whatever your answer is let me remind you of what Pastor Taylor said, "We can have as much of God as we want. We can have as much of God as we want. So if you're one who you, so whatever your answer is, we can always have a place to grow, just like 117 says, "We grow from faith to faith." Amen. So let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the love that you, that you have expressed towards us. And if, uh, if you're here today, I know in the sanctuary there was no visitor, but if you're watching us for the very first time and you happen to pray that prayer that uh, Jen asked us to pray earlier and you receive Christ, what I want you to do is uh, get, uh, just message us. Let us know that that's you. Let us know that you did that. That way we can communicate with you. But for the rest of us, let's just go in and pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for what you have done for us. Thank you that, that in Christ we have such a great liberty. But Father, thank you that for the instructions that Paul gave that if it will cause our brothers to stumble, if it causes our brother to be offended, may we use our liberty to build each other up instead of to tear them down. So Father, I pray for us at your church. I pray that that would be our hearts today. And I pray, Father, that you would protect us as we leave today, as we go about in our work. Thank you, Father, that you are our protection, you our our refuge. Continue to bless us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen, church. You're dismissed. Have a good week.